Welcome back to another episode, fellas. And for the, it feels like the first time in like two weeks, we have all three of us together. And how are you guys doing today, Chris and Preston? Um, you know, it is Thanksgiving on the day we're recording this. So I hope uh, everyone in the States listening to this, uh, you had a good Thanksgiving. I know Canadians had theirs uh, a little while ago. I hope you guys had a nice one too. You know, had a nice day. Now, uh, just recording to end it. Yep. That's, uh, it's a it's a it's a nice end to a long day. I feel like I've gained like five pounds, but I'm gonna bulk right now, so it'll be Bro, worth it in like stuffing, two months. The stuffing, it's I do, so I, good. I, I can't resist stuffing. Nah, neither can I. Felt that. But we're gonna hop right into things here with McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers, and things just seem to keep keep getting worse. I mean, the Oilers are not performing at all. It seems like McDavid and Drysaddle are fed up with everything, and. At some point, it's just like McDavid has to get out of that shithole. I mean, I don't think he's going to ask for a trade. I mean, I'm just looking like a lot of this is a team a lot of people thought were going to like legit going to compete for a Stanley Cup. and like one of a handful of teams that had the ability to win it. And, you know, I I thought they had a really good chance too. you know, they got they had maze at the second round last year, but it just seems like nothing's going right this year. They ended up firing their coach. You know, new coach comes in, they win their first couple of games, and now they've lost three in a row again. I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen that clip of McDavid just sitting on the bench, just, I don't know, like, there's so many emotions going on. He's angry, he's sad, he's in shock. And you know what? I'm going to say this reminds me a lot of Jack Eichel when he was with this, his last couple of years with the Sabres. Because you, you, you get drafted, you, everyone wants you to be a superstar, you are a superstar. And the team around you is performing. It's a little different with the Oilers because they made the playoffs a couple times, had a couple deep runs. But you know, you you want to win. You want you want to be super so good, and then like nothing seems to work. You're just getting worse and worse and worse. And I, I mean, I can genuinely see if this keeps going on, McDavid might. I, I'd be shocked if it ever actually happened, but I, it could. He could ask for a trade. Yeah, it's definitely definitely you know. Especially if this year ends with them being a lottery team, I definitely think if if it doesn't you know quickly turn around, he could definitely ask for a trade. I don't think it's gonna be like a public trade request. I think it's definitely gonna be like, hey, you know, I I'd like to move on, but like keep this you know between us, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think he's really gonna want to ask for a trade unless things really get like that bad. Now you could be talking about is this rock bottom for the Oilers at this point in the McDavid era? Oh, it 100% is. But like the things aren't. It seems like there's just no help. I mean, McDavid is already something as it is, and it's just like you can't expect him to put up three points per game and then just be like oh well we won because mcdavid decides to be mcjesus it's like he's human he's not gonna put up a, a point every single night like he did last season now he didn't do it every game last season but you know most nights though you expect mcdavid to put up a point and sometimes you're just gonna be off his game he's human too and when they don't have things clicking it's just, it's just like well if mcdavid doesn't score then they score like one or two goals a game which is which is pathetic well, I do think they have the worst goaltending situation in the league. Uh, I don't even know how you could fix that. Because even if you try to make a trade for a goalie, every other team in the league knows that you need a goalie. And if you want to get trade for one, it's going to cost you double of what it normally would, even for like a backup goalie. I wouldn't doubt if they've already made some calls looking for a goalie. Oh, I, they have. I, I'm sure Ken Holland's called every team possible that has a goalie available. 
and just heard about what they wanted. They were thinking about asking for for the goalie because, yeah. I mean, I I heard uh, that they're considering calling Jack Campbell up again because they're, they're that desperate. Yeah, um, I I heard rumors today. I I don't know how true they are, but apparently they were in talks with Philly, and it was like Stuart Skinner and a first round pick for Carter Hart. Again, don't know how true that is, but you know I did see that today. You know. Obviously, you know, everyone in the league knows that Edmonton has goalie problems, and if they're calling about a goalie, you're going to massively overprice them. You know, I I think right now there's really no solution unless you want to overpay for a backup goalie. At this point, and yeah. that's not even that's not even a long term solution. That's just no, kicking it down the road. Yeah. Because, okay, so let's say you do you trade for like a, a guy who's a backup underneath. He comes to your team, he does well, and then you're in a predicament. That's okay. This guy did really well for us. Do we pay him? Do we let him walk? I mean, what do we do? I, I mean, I I think they got another month before like their season's officially dead. They they have like a month to turn it around. Yeah. I, I I think a month's fine. Two weeks I'll give because I right now they're at the bottom of the West, obviously. But I mean they're they're not gonna turn around with this. They have not not only is their goalie problem bad, they have no one on the blue line at all defensively wise. That's even close to being a comparable, you know, defensive defenseman. And then they get no scoring from their second, third, or fourth lines. Or really anybody on their team outside of McDavid and Drysaddle. Maybe you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins in there and Evan Bouchard, etc. So, like, outside of that, though, it's just, like, the whole entire team is just so messed up and it's just so bad. It's, like, it's more than just, like, one problem. It feels like it's everything. And I think on, that it honestly starts from the top. And I think Ken Holland, man, he is, like, they had a bunch of depth. When they went to the Western Conference Finals yesterday, got absolutely killed. But they at least had depth to go that far, right? McDavid and Dreisaitl were playing out of their mind. But still, though, they had guys like Puliarvi, Yamamoto, etc. And, like, blue line-wise, like, they weren't bad and they had goaltending. And now it seems like all of a sudden they were like, okay, like, let's get rid of those guys, bring in some other guys that just haven't panned out at all. And it's just been absolutely brutal to watch on the ice, man. It's like somebody that's not an Oilers fan, my eyes just hurt watching this team every single night. I genuinely think, though, that the best team they had with McDavid, like, playoff-wise, that actually had a chance to win the Cup was the year they made it the second round and they lost to Anaheim. Yeah, I, I, think that was, I think that was the most complete team that they had sent into the playoffs. Yeah. They just ran, like, Anaheim, they, they was, that was one of their last years when they, you know, they had Getzlav and all those guys still, that they were really a good team. Yeah. And they kind of just, I mean, they, they took them to seven. Like, they almost won that series. I think mm-hmm. that was the Edmonton team that had the best chance to win a Cup, honestly. Yeah, they had good goaltending. I believe they still had Cam Talbot at that point. You know. Yeah, they they have much better depth than they do now because they yeah. hadn't. I think McDavid was on his last year of his rookie contract, where he just started his huge contract. Drysital, like they they still had a lot of guys on lower paid contracts, and they they could afford more depth. Yeah, you know, it'd be some shit if yeah. Edmonton's just so bad and they get the first overall pick. <laughs> I mean, that is it. Doesn't help them though. No, Getting Celebrini doesn't fix their problem. No, but, you know, it would definitely start pushing McDavid out. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... I don't know, man. I, I think if they are so bad that they're in contention for a lottery, like a top three pick, I definitely think he starts thinking, like, what am I doing here? Dude, he's wasting his prime... Dude, this dude is the... good. Obviously, he's good enough to be the best player on any single team in this league for a Stanley Cup championship contender, and he's sitting here just... Chilling on the Oilers, just wasting his career. Now he, you know, he kind of has no choice. But still, though, 
Yeah, I don't know, but let's um kind of talk into it. I was thinking about, like, maybe it'd be fun. You know, we're not saying he's going to get traded or anything, but, like, let's say he does behind-the-scenes ask for a trade. I, I truly believe there's probably only three or four teams in the whole NHL that even have anything, like, anything the Oilers would be worth getting for McDavid. And I think those teams are the, the Sabres, the Ducks, um... The Devils, even though the Devils were never actually trade for him, they have the capital to do it. And um, the Montreal Canadiens, I think, I think they have a lot of good young players, and they could possibly make an offer, and uh, that could entice Edmonton. But the two teams I really want to highlight are the, the Sabres and the Ducks. Um, you know, <laughs> I feel like it would be like kind of full circle if he did end up getting traded to the Sabres, like because. You know, that's the team that tanked for him. It ended up losing the lottery. He goes to... Like, how cool, How crazy of a story would that be if he ends up actually there? That'd be ridiculous. You know what? Yeah. If he ever makes it to UFA, he should sign a one-year with the Sabres just to say he was a Sabre. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he'd do that. But, um, like, the Sabres, like, you know, people thought they were going to be a playoff team. They're kind of not playing to expectations right now. You know, we'll see if they can turn it around. But they have a ton of really good young players. They have a lot of high-end draft picks that could possibly entice the Oilers to say, okay, like, McDavid, we, we, we have you. We're going to trade you to Buffalo, and we're going to get a bunch of young players. I, I, the guys I have possibly being traded are Dylan Cousins. Now, Cousins has been a little bit disappointing this year. You know, he hasn't really played. He's just in his first year of his new big boy contract, and he hasn't really lived up to it so far. Uh, he is playing through an injury. I mean, I don't know how much that is affecting him, but... Uh, I think like Dylan Cousins like is a, a a top tier young prospect still that any team would be interested in. Um, Owen Power I, I think is another player that Edmonton would be extremely interested in because you know he he he's a number one defenseman on a team that already has a number one defenseman. And while that would help the Sabres going forward, if you can get a guy like Connor McDavid and keep Rasmus Dahlin. And let him be a true number one instead of having to share Owen Power. I think that would make them better. I mean, tickets younger on the blue line. Um, and then they're kind of loaded on prospects, too. You know, Zach Benson, you know, made the team as a rookie. We'll see if they're going to send him back down to juniors. I can't imagine after that goal he scored the other night, they send him back down to juniors. But um, I think a guy they also could be targeted in a trade is Matthew Savoy. Like, he's kind of going to, the Sabres are going to run into an issue pretty soon where they're going to have too many prospects. They're kind of running into it now where they have too many prospects and not all of them can make the team. I yeah, think right so, now, yeah. right now, it's like there's not enough spots for the amount of first round forwards, at least, that we have to make it's the a, team. It's, it's a good problem to it's have. It's a great problem to have. It's, but, and that makes them valuable in a trade, too. Yeah. It's a great problem to have. You guys are correct. But the fact that they're running out 11-7 every single night is oh, brutal. I don't get – well, that's another issue for another day. I, I don't get understand Don Granada's decision-making there. But just staying focused on uh, just what we're talking about. Uh, and, and then I have to throw it in two first. And, you know, any, like, prospect like Oslin or um, Rosen, the, I, I kind of like a beer tier prospect for the Sabres. I think that would probably be more than enough to get a deal done for McDavid. I think that's a solid offer. I, I think the Oilers could do that realistically, but. Oh, I think that that would, I know you're losing McDavid, but you still have Dreisaitl, who is an MVP caliber player. You get bet you a, a, a number one defenseman, a, an elite second line forward, two first round picks, a first round pick from a couple of years ago. 
and whatever other prospect you want. I feel like the Oilers would kind of that would kind of be a fleece on their end. You even though you're getting rid of the best player mm-hmm. in the game, you're still getting better as a team. You you start building around Drysaddle and getting a bunch of depth for McDavid and draft capital too, which you can use to your advantage as well and hit on a couple of draft picks. So I think that. Like you said just two seconds ago, the Oilers, like, in that trade, they win that trade. Yeah, like, just because you give up the best player doesn't necessarily mean you you, you lose the trade. Exactly. And it's not like, and, the, it's not like the Sabres are, like, getting absolutely palm-stopped and completely fleeced in this trade. It's like, yeah, you're giving up some a little bit of, you know, prospects and, like, younger players and everything, but that's what's going to take the trade for Connor McDavid, and they still have a bunch of prospects still outside of those guys and young players coming through the system, so it's not like they're losing a whole bunch compared to what they still have now. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I think out of every team in the league, the, the one who I think makes the most sense to trade for Connor McDavid is probably the Sabres. No bias. I'm like, and, that's, and no, no I'm, bias. that's genuinely with no bias. I think... Like out of every like they the Saber I know they have Tage Thompson who's like emerging as a number one center but he's a problem he can't win fucking faceoffs and yes. McDavid would fix that problem you can move Tage down to the second line you only have two number one centers it's that easy um, but the other team I wanted to talk about so uh, for the Ducks uh, it's a little bit of a different situation because they kind of are similar to the Sabers where like they haven't been good for a while they have a lot of really good high-end prospects and but it's a little bit of a tougher ask because um they're in they're in the same division as the oilers right yeah yeah so they don't necessarily want to trade him to a divisional team i get that but you know anaheim has a lot of good young prospects they've been drafting well the last few years that could possibly entice edmonton to move on from mcdavid as well obviously it starts i think with trevor zegris he's kind of been a disappointment to start the year but he's a first line center um you know he wouldn't have to be a, like the top guy in Edmonton he could play behind a guy like Dreisaitl and honestly I think with the way they've been drafting and the way the team's been uh going I don't even think Anaheim season was the number one center going forward you know they have Leo Carlson who they just drafted and Mason McTavish has been amazing to start the year who's kind of looking like he's overtaking Zegers as like that top young player on that team so I think obviously it starts with uh, Trevor Zegers, and then another part of the trade is, I think Edmonton would at least have to ask for either Mason McTavish or Leo Carlson. I think though, if if like it came down to like Edmonton was like we need one of these guys at a trade, I don't think Anaheim does the trade because I don't think you want to lose either one of those guys. No, but I could see them asking for him. That might take Zegers out of the trade as well. Um, and then I also I think they'd have to give him John Gibson. That immediately solves Edmonton's goalie problem. Yeah, uh, you know he's been an elite goalie. I don't know if he's elite anymore, but he's been like a top ten goalie in the league for for forever. It feels like, um, you know, some first round picks, probably at least two, and maybe uh, Jamie Drysdale on the blue end. I think that that trade is perfectly fine. Again, like Mason McTavish, Leo Carlson, or Zegers. I I don't think the Ducks do it. If you ask for two of the three, I think one of the three is going to have to go. I think if. In this trade scenario, John Gibson is a must. The Oilers in this situation are going to have to go get a goaltender, and I think they're also going to go have to get a blue line, and I think Drysdale is a great fit for that. So all in all, though, I think that's fine, and maybe like 
if the Oilers are like, we want two of those three, and the Ducks are like, listen, we'll give you one of the three, but we'll also give you a first-round pick or two, I think the Oilers can entertain that too. But, I mean, if the Ducks are being super stingy, like, we'll give you one of those three players we listed, plus Drysdale and Gibson, I think the Oilers won't do that part. But No, I, I don't think that's enough. Right, but again, like, I mean, who knows in a hypothetical world, like, that's that's still not a horrible offer, though. Do you see the... Do you see them, you know, instead of asking for Drysdale, do you think they ask for Minchikov instead? That's actually a great point, Paul. They they could. I mean, they could they they could ask. I don't well, think you can ask for anyone. I don't. I think there are very few players that are off limits in a uh, Connor McDavid trade. I do think if there's any going to be anyone off the table and for the Ducks, it would probably be McTavish, Carlson. And maybe I don't know how to say that guy. Minchikov. I don't know Minchikov. how to say it. Minchikov. I, I, don't I, th- know. I. Now that I'm rethinking it, I think McTavish might be off the table. Yeah, like it would either McTavish and I think and Carlson. I think would be off the board. I think they would I, they would give him Zegers without. I, even oh, I would, about I would, it. I would, I would put Zegers on the table right away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the reason why it took so long to sign Zegers this off season was I think, you know. They, they get Carlson, obviously, at the draft. But I think they view McTavish as a better center. He and, is. you know, I, I think they view him as their future number one center instead of Zegers. Oh, I, I, oh, I totally 100%. agree with you, yeah. Andre, I think McTavish has, has a better hockey player than Zegers. I know that might seem so bland, but Zegers is fancier. He's flashier and everything. He's better for the face of the game. But McTavish just does everything well all around the game and has 20 points in 19 games this season so far. So, yeah, McTavish is a franchise, is one of the two friends. Yeah, one of the two franchise players on that team, not including Zegers in that list, by the way. Yeah, I'm just looking at he's 20 points in 19 games. Yeah, McTavish, I think, is untouchable. Oh, 100%. Leo Carlson is nine points in 13 games. That's a good a, start to a season. He, yeah, I mean, he was the, the number two overall pick, so I would yeah, expect him to be good, but... That's that's a good start to a season. But anyways, though, moving on from all the McDavid drama once again, two unfortunate news this time. Taylor Hall is out for the rest of the season with knee surgery. This is a very unfortunate news that came out just today because I wanted to see him with Bedard. I know, Chris, you said it in our little uh, group chat that you wanted to see Bedard and Hall play together all season. And it, it just sucks because it seems like Hall, now, he wasn't having a greatest season, four points in 10 games. However, he's there more to surround, not only with talent around Bedard, but also be a great leader. I mean, you already saw him. Like, I don't know how much Blackhawks games you guys have watched so far, but the ones that I've watched while at work on ESPN+, Plus, it's been, like, that will show, like, Bedard and, like, Taylor Hall constantly communicating on the bench. Taylor Hall is on the iPad with Bedard, you know, talking to him, or even not on the iPad, talking to him about, you know, what maybe he should do better or, you know, this and that. Just kind of talking little things with the game. I'm, I'm assuming that, by the way. I'd hope so. Um, but it, it's more than just on-the-ice stuff. I think Taylor Hall was a great ad. for. It was more for Bedard's development, even though Bedard's absolutely sick nasty. But, again, it's just unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, Chicago went from a team I kind of liked, like, you know, going into the, the, the season to, like, a disaster. <laughs> Um, they got like dog walked by uh, Columbus last night. I think while well, they lose like seven to two, seven to three. It was like eight to two or something. They got eight killed. Yeah, it was it was something like that. I know I know Zach Wierenski had four assists. 
Yeah, and now you know, I guess Corey Perry's been away from the team for undis- some undisclosed reason, and you know, not having a vet like that around in the room is kind of a weird thing. I don't know if it's Chicago, something happened, and Chicago doesn't want him there. Maybe there's some kind of personal thing or some family issues going on. But it, it is kind of weird the silence around that's the situation. Chicago won't really comment. They just kind of said he's not here. We're gonna leave it at that. Uh, yeah. I mean, they got a boatload of picks though. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a lot of money to spend next year in uh, free agency because they, they have a lot of pending UFAs this year that they will not bring I back. I think Davidson's going to build his team fine, I think. I, I think he's in a great spot as long as he doesn't overdo it and try to do too much. I think the moves he made in the past offseason were perfectly fine. I know you see some keyboard warriors on Twitter and social media saying, oh, why do you go get Corey Perry and Taylor Hall? They're they're out of their prime. It's like, it's more, you you gotta think out, not outside leader, of the box. It's a leadership thing. Exactly. It's a leadership thing. It's a locker room thing. It's a, you, you have the first overall pick. You want somebody there to help Bedard that's, you know, you don't just want young players on the team. You, you you don't just want, you know, old vets that absolutely suck at hockey, but, you know, they're great locker room guys. Um, so, again, like, it's, it's, Mc, Mc, shit. Davidson is just, I think he's going to build this team great. I like the mix shit. Yeah, I think Taylor Hall, he was brought in to be a leader. He was brought in to play with Bedard. I think, I think more so he was, it was to take the stress off Bedard of being a number one overall pick, you know, with Taylor Hall also being a number one an overall pick to kind of like show him like to deal with like the stress and all the pressure of being, you know, the top pick out of the draft coming into the league. Just play his game, you know, just go out there, yeah. just play hockey like you did in juniors in your entire life and just go have fun, you know, and it's nice seeing Bedsy smiling all over the place on the ice and it's, it, it's nice. Yeah, like his first couple of weeks in the league, he was just kind of like, he just had a blank face all the time. I mean, it was kind of insane, like, how much people were talking about him. I know, like, he's, like, the best prospect to enter the NHL since McDavid and everything. And he's lived up to it. Yeah. I mean, but, like, it was kind of insane how much publicity, that, like, how much the media wouldn't leave him alone. If I, if I was to use today's words, the glazing was crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek, and use code checking from behind to get $20 off your first purchase. If you guys are looking to go to any NHL games or just any event in general, you guys can go to the SeatGeek app or website at the search bar at the top of the screen. You can search whichever event you're looking to go to, and then it's going to end up bringing all the ticket choices for your selection. It's going to end up rating your tickets to whatever value they are so let's say it's a dark green that means the value of the ticket you're looking at is really really good if it's going to be a dark red that means the value of the ticket isn't really that great and also it's going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 inside that circle so let's say it's an 8.3 out of 10 that's really good if it's a 1.3 out of 10 that's really bad i would recommend doing the red seats i would recommend doing the Kind of like the 8 to 10 range or the dark green. Again, best prices guaranteed. Use code checking from behind to get $20 off your first purchase. So we're moving on here to the next segment. And which team outside the playoffs has the best chance to make the playoffs? And because most of us know that Thanksgiving break, whatever the standings are, most teams that are in the playoff picture are going to stay in the playoff picture. And most that are outside are going to obviously stay outside. However, there is that one or two team every season that either falls out after Thanksgiving or sneaks in. And 
My team is the obvious choice, New Jersey Devils, who are outside of the wild card race by a couple points. They are 8-8-1. However, again, they've been dealing with injuries. You had Hishirat, you had Jack Hughes, who was dealing with a week-to-week shoulder injury. So I think if if it's not the Devils, then I don't know what it is. This team's going to get hot. They have too much talent. My only concern is goaltending, but then again, like they had the same goaltending problem last season, and they were perfectly fine. So the Devils are the obvious choice here. Yeah, I, I agree with you in the East, the Devils. I mean, they haven't really been playing, you know, their standard lately. I know they've been dealing with a lot, bunch of injuries and stuff. But, I, yeah, I definitely think, like, they, they will make the playoffs at the end of the year. I think they're just going through a rough patch right now, and they'll be fine. Yeah, we're going unanimous Devils, but I do want to shout out the Sabres. They are also, you know, st- a couple points. They're ahead of New Jersey in the standings. I don't care. They played two more games. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> don't matter. More points. Okay. I okay. I, so apparently we're gonna Sabers too. Okay, I don't. I don't like that. I, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I didn't say they were going to. I said they had a chance to. All right, and then I'm gonna do a Western Conference team as well here. And personally, I think every team that's in the Western Conference playoffs are gonna be in there. Shout out to Anaheim and Arizona. I really want to put them in here, but I'm not going to. But a surprising team here. I'm putting the Nashville Predators. I don't know if you guys are gonna agree or not, but. I outside of like every other team that's outside of the playoff race, like I think they're the best team and it doesn't come down to being the best team on paper. It comes down to the goaltending and having UC Saros as your goaltender is fine. Now I'm looking at his stats and he is struggling to 3.13 goals against an 894 save percentage, but their backup Kevin Lankinen does have a 920 save percentage. So it takes that a little bit off, but adding Ryan O'Reilly, who has 17 points in 18 games played. I don't know why the Leafs ended up letting him go for some reason. This dude is playing. He chose to leave. Didn't. Oh, yeah. that's right. I, well, the Toronto, Toronto I don't blame him. Uh, but Forsberg, though, has 21 points in 18 games as well. And my only concern about the Preds, like most, a lot of teams, is their depth. But I think, like, any team in the West, like, Calgary's not doing it. I wish I could say Arizona and Anaheim, but I want to see them kind of play out the season more. And Nashville is really the only team that I have the most confidence in right now. Uh, I, I was going to say Nashville or Minnesota. I was but more likely Nashville. And Minnesota's kind of, like, meh. They're kind of, like, mid right now. I think Nashville is like probably the team outright now outside of the playoff picture that I think has the best chance to make the playoffs at the end of the year. Yeah, Nashville. That's all I got to say. <laughs> okay. I mean, you guys already said it. Um, And then we're going to do which team inside the playoff picture has the best chance to miss the playoffs. And we're going to start in the Eastern Conference here as well and then move on to the West. But in the East, though, another ob- obvious choice is going to be the Washington Capitals. I had to pause there for a second because I was going between the Caps and the Red Wings. It's really a toss-up, whichever team you like better. But, I mean, the Caps, I really don't think this 10-4-2 record sustainable. They got off to a really slow start, but they have heated up. They're on an absolute tear right now. But I just think, like, at the end of the day, though, like, if they end up top three in the Metro Division come the end of the season, I will be shocked. No disrespect to the capitals by any means but i just don't think their play right now is sustainable i mean but honestly i'm just looking at the standings i mean 
who else, who in the Metro outside of the playoffs are, are better than them? I mean, besides the Devils, I think the Devils will catch up. But if I mean the Islanders, I don't think are better than the Capitals right now or the Penguins. If if Washington, let's let's say the Devils end up catching up hypothetically to the Capitals or whatever in the top three in the Metro, I think Washington can fall out and lose their wild card spots to Toronto and Detroit. Uh, I mean, I think Washington still has a. They they do the have playoffs. a shot. Yes, they do have a shot. I do agree. I think the way like, their their win streak right now, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, they've been they've been played they've been really hot right now. I mean, Canucks got really hot and they stayed really hot for a while. And unless they have some unforeseen collapse, they're probably going to make the playoffs, and that could end up happening with Washington too. But if I had to pick a team in the East right now who I don't think would make the playoffs, I would have to say the Detroit Red Wings. They they had a really hot start to the year. They've they've cooled down immensely. DeBrincat and Larkin has cooled down immensly. You know, they're hanging on to the last wild card spot right now. They're in a tie with Philadelphia. Another team has kind of been surprising, but uh, I, I don't think Detroit is going to make a playoff team. It's yeah. going to be a playoff team. I'm, I'm going to agree with Preston here. I, I just don't see that Detroit team. You know, like you said, they've already started cooling down from their hot start, and that goaltending is just as shaky as it was last year. Yeah. I th- I think I trust Darcy Kemper more than I trust Billy Huso. Darcy Kemper won a Stanley Cup. He did. And then we're going to go on here to the Western Conference. And my team, unfortunately, I hate to say this, are the St. Louis Blues. I mean, they they are at 21 points in 18 games compared to Seattle's 21 and 21, which Seattle you can also say that for. But looking from past, I, I know I'm looking from past and everything. Their goaltending has been absolutely insane. And they really haven't been getting a bunch of goal scoring. I mean, Robert Thomas, Thomas has 18 points in 18 games. And the next closest guy has 11 points. And Jordan Cairo, who signed a huge contract right now, has only 11 points in 18 games. You expect him to start to kind of heat up, but, like, when is that going to happen, though? We've been expecting him to do this for the past, what, two, three weeks now? But goaltending-wise, though, Bennington does have a 279 goals against average and 912 save percentage. I will say Bennington has been a very, very good surprise for the St. Louis Blues and the fact that I don't think you guys, myself, or any or anybody else ended up thinking he was going to absolutely start off the season this hot. And then the rookie, Joel Halfer, I believe is how you pronounce his name. He has a 2-5-4, goes against with the 9-19 save percentage. But we'll see if this keeps up, but I'm being kind of on the more cautious side with the Blues, and maybe they don't keep this up, but I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think the Blues is the obvious answer, but I kind of want to do a hot take. Okay. I don't think the Vancouver Canucks are going to make the playoffs. Ooh. That's certainly a take. That's an interesting take. I I don't know. They kind of, they've been really hot. And, you know, according to all these analytics I've seen, they all keep saying, this isn't sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And then they'll play really well in other games. Like, I'm telling you, it's coming. And they're starting to drop off and play. Um, I don't even think they're an elite Western Conference team. Uh, They have a really good, top line and they have Quinn Hughes playing like an MVP right now. Uh outside outside of that though, I mean I could see like them starting to struggle soon, especially if the Astrogemco doesn't keep playing like a, a god. Um it would be sh- it would be more surprising if they made the playoffs because of how weak the Western Conference is as a whole, especially in that, that Pacific Division. I mean, I could see potentially Seattle catching up to them if Seattle starts playing better, which they haven't been playing well lately. 
I will say though is that I that Demko does have like a 950 save percentage on yeah. grade A opportunities, which obviously isn't sustainable. There's like one other guy, I think it's Swayman who's in the 900s. Next next closest guy is like an eight in the 850s. So that's probably not sustainable. But and unfortunately for the Canucks, they can't play the Sharks and the Oilers every game. Sadly. And it's not also it's not gonna be sustainable when you have three guys with like 27 plus points in like 19, 20 games. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, Quinn Hughes has thirty points. Yes, I I'd love to be. I'd love to be wrong, but if they make the playoffs, though, I don't think they get out of round one. That's a take. Yeah. And now we move on to the unstoppable LA Kings. Yeah, and dude, I I just want to say, okay, the LA Kings right now have an eleven three and three record, twenty five points. They've only played seventeen games, and right now. By points percentage, they're the second best team in the Western Conference with the plus twenty two goal differential. But I just wanna talk about their team as a whole and especially Quentin Byfield, who is having a phenomenal season, seventeen points in fifteen games. This is what the LA Kings drafted 15, him 17. to do. Excuse me, I mixed up the numbers. Fifteen points in seventeen games. But this is what the Kings drafted him to do, and he's finally having a good season. And Anze Kopitar, dude, when is this dude going to slow down? He's at a point per game as well. Adrian Kempe is at 18 points in 17 games. They're gr- getting great defensive game from everybody on their blue line. And goaltending-wise, they're also getting pretty good. Not pretty good. They're getting elite goaltender from Cam Tabot. Cam Talbot, I don't think it's sustainable with the goals against average of two and a save percentage of 930. I think it comes back down to earth. But, dude, the LA Kings right now are looking like the second best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, looking at the roster up and down, this is a team that's built for the playoffs. Uh, they, ha- I think they have the best center depth in the league. You know, having Kopitar, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Philip Deneau, like... Most teams feel Dino will be a second line center. He's on the third line, like, and he's one of the best defensive centers in the game. Very yeah. underrated player, in my opinion. I mean, Drew Doughty's been stepping up. He's starting to. He's he's been playing really well defensively. Uh, you know, the only thing I could see being their downfall is their goaltending. You know, Cam Talbot's kind of been carrying the load. Uh, you know, and to his credit, he'd be good for them. But I mean, I think this is a this team will obviously make the playoffs. Uh, and. Like this is this is a team. I really like how they built this team. They 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 built defense first, and now their younger players are starting to develop and get that more. I really love that uh, pickup of Pierre Luc Dubois. He just adds a whole other dimension to that team, and with that elite center depth, like that that is going to be so crucial down the stretch in the playoffs. Having three centers, like borderline elite centers, are all three. This team is. I really like this team. Philip Deneau went uh, left Montreal to because he didn't want to be a third line center. I think he's perfectly fine with being a third line well, center in LA if he's making the playoffs every year. That's that like if you're not making a playoffs and you're talented as Deneau, you're like, dude, like I don't want to be a third center. But if you're on a team like LA and you're the third center behind Anze and PLD, you're like, dude, I love this place. And he's in LA too. He's not in Montreal. I know, like in the hockey market, the Montreal media is pro- the one of the worst in the league if not the worst and you go to LA which is also you know flat lights and flashes but in hockey though it's not really like all the like these lights and flashes you still kind of say under the radar because a lot of hockey media it like covers the east coast like heavily and so now he goes to LA and not only is he not getting drowned out by the media but he also is on a playoff contending team year in and year out so Philip Deneau making the great choice going to LA and again like you mentioned earlier Preston the center depth is some of the best in the league 
I still think they need to find a long-term solution in goaltending, but yeah. they don't have to worry about that this year. I think. What do you mean? They have Eric Portillo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> goalies take us some a little bit of time to develop, but they need like a, a consistent NHL starter. Yeah, I mean, I'm also gonna say shout out my boy Trevor Moore. You're very underrated. 15 points in 17 games. I feel like nobody talks about this team, the Kings. No, they're like, like quietly one of the best teams in the West. They don't play they play exciting hockey, but they play like they, just smart hockey. They're yeah. they're they play winning hockey. It is it's like I said, they play like they're built. They're, this is a team built for the playoffs. Dude, I'm telling you right now, okay? If it's not Vegas, if we're talking about right now, the LA Kings are going to the Stanley Cup Finals. They're probably going to meet Vegas. They're, they're, they're probably not going to meet Vegas in the Western Conference Finals because of their playoff format. However, though, though I think they're the only team right now that could go toe-to-toe, maybe besides Dallas in the Western Conference. Although, Colorado's up there too, but I'm kind of skeptical su- with Colorado right now. It wouldn't surprise me to see them maybe... Uh, acquire a goalie at the deadline too, dude. If yeah. they're if they're off and like they can compete for the first in the Pacific, they're gonna go out and do anything to get a goaltender without giving uh, up. I don't too know much if this team's better than Vegas, but they're not. They're not better no, than they're Vegas. Not. No, they're not better than Vegas, but they're definitely, dude. If they're within like six, seven points of Vegas, dude, like they can be like, listen, like we think we're you know better than Vegas, and let's go out and get a goaltender to pair with Talbot, or maybe they're okay with these two goaltenders and Talbot, so. I don't know. I guess we'll see when we get that far, but you know, not a that, good year last year. I, I think they're just right now riding the hot hand with well, last year. Last year they got McDavid. That's why they lost because of Carter McDavid. Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason. They got McDavid was on an absolute tear. Yeah, but I, I think if LA and Vegas met in the playoffs, I think it'd be a closer series than you, you'd think. You know, most people would think, "Oh, Vegas in like five or six. But I think, I think Kings would push to seven. I, I would take. I think it would go seven. I yeah. would take Vegas in seven in a close series too. It wouldn't be like this whole like, "Oh, Vegas is just gonna dominate them from start to finish, game one to game four or five or whatever." I, I think it would be close. But, anyways, you know, just speaking of Vegas, I just wanted to mention one more thing before yeah. we get off. Can we mention how horrible those Winter Classic jerseys are for Vegas? They're so ugly. Yeah. I, I don't have an opinion on it because I saw it one time and I almost threw up in my mouth. That's how bad they were. <laughs> I mean, you, that is your opinion. You, you almost threw up. So that, that's, that's, uh, that says all I need to hear. That's so. fair. <laughs> I like the Seattle ones a lot. I think the Vegas ones are really like. Vegas got to be like, better, man. They look like they were designed like NHL 24. Yeah. Dude, some, somebody. They, dude. they copied the Stars uh, Winter Classic jersey from the other a couple years ago. Somehow it's those got approved. Shoulders. Hold on. I mean, it's kind of hard to make because they don't really have any like, like heritage or like any like thing about like. You know, the Seattle jerseys are based off the Metropolitans, and I think those jerseys are really cool because normally in the Winter Classic you go for more like a like a old school design. Yeah. And, you know, Vegas hasn't been around. They have. There's no prior history of hockey in Vegas, so I get it was kind of a challenge. But man, like, come on! You can do better than that. Should yeah. have used that logo from their first reverse retro jersey. It was kind of like, kind of like the shield with the star instead of just a V. I, yeah, I, I, I thought, I think like if they did that instead of the V on the same exact jersey design, it wouldn't be as bad. But I just don't like the V in the middle of the chest. I, I yeah, don't no, know. I don't know what. I don't know what it is about now. I don't like the jersey design in general. I just think the V just puts the cherry on top and just like, yeah, this shit's garbage. Yeah. But I did. I did see someone say that. Uh. If you look at the like the ends of the V at the top, it looks like it's like flipping you off. 
That's how, how how Vegas of a thing is that? Flip yeah, that doesn't. Off. So, that's... Speaking of flipping someone off, I think it was the Sharks last year. They put a message on on the screen, and you every start of the letter spelled out "fuck the Knights." It was pretty funny. I'll have to see if I can find that. That's great. Damn. I mean, rare Sharks dub. Yeah, yeah. Very rare Sharks dub. Who likes the Knights Literally. besides the Knights fans? Nobody. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to see if well, I can find that. Didn't the Sharks end their season a couple of years ago when they didn't make the playoffs? And they, they lost them in, in that like eight round shootout. Uh, we... no, that was the Stars that they faced. I know, but the Sharks ended their season. Yeah, the Sharks like... kicked them out of the playoffs a couple of years before. No, I thought like they lost to the Sharks. I, I thought they lost to the Sharks and they they got eliminated from playoff contention. No, not, no, not last season, no, but the year before. No, I know that they won the cup last year. Yeah, he's not talking about last years. season, but he's talking about the season before where they missed the playoffs. Yeah, it was the Stars. That was the Stars that they I know, lost. I think to. they they think they still had a chance after they lost to the Stars, but then they lost to they lost. Uh, the Sharks, and I think that like killed their season because they were they were I'm like three sure. points out after they lost to the Stars and they lost to the Sharks, and it was Denzo right there. I, I thought they were eliminated right after the Sharks game. It was like that's what knocked them out, or the the Stars game. Sorry. Oh, I'm I'm gonna go look at their schedule from that year. Hold on, give me a second. All right, you're good. I'm looking for that picture. And so 2022. Did you guys see that Eichel goal last night though? I did not. I don't watch anything with oh, Eichel. Okay. Well, it came up on my Twitter feed, so. Yeah, it came up on mine too. I did. I just didn't oh, watch it. Okay. Oh. Look, I, I, looking at their schedule, so okay. from April 2022. Damn, they really, they really played like shit the year. They were dealing with they, mad injuries, though. Yeah, they lost to the Sharks 5-4 in a shootout, and that made their game against Dallas like they had to win or they were done. Imagine so losing to the Sharks in a shootout. I think they blew that game, though, because I think, like, they, if I remember correctly, they were, like, up by a couple of goals late in the game. I'll, yeah, they were up 4-2 to two in the third period, and Meyer scored with one second left. Damn. Damn, dude! Imagine going out that way. I remember I was watching that game because that's when like the whole internet was cheering for the Knights to lose, and he scored one second left, and yeah, they lost in a shootout. That is, and that pretty much killed their season. That is depressing if you're a Vegas dude. I couldn't imagine. Good job on the Sharks, though. Good job on the Sharks, though. Still. I mean, the, the Golden Knights fans have had so much to be depressed about. Come on, dude, like... dude. They've been they've been treated horribly, bro. We appreciate you guys stopping by And if you guys enjoy all of our content All of our socials are down below As well as the subscribe button And we'll see you guys actually in our power rankings tomorrow